The only good news for the Vikings, the game isn't going to be played at night on Sunday. Really, more importantly, can we film you during this game on Sunday? Can we film you? Because I think I'll it would be, be a lot you. of fun for everybody to see care. you. I don't care. I hate all teams equally, and I hate you even more. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, he's coming out hot. He lied on one of those comments. He doesn't hate me. He really does like me, whether he wants to admit that or not. I know he does. He likes me, Mike Florio. And you don't hate all teams equally. Stop lying. That was Mike talking about his Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Um, Yep. I think they're in deep shit this week, but we'll see. Okay, here we go. Chris Sims unbutton PFTPM collaboration. It's the picks podcast wild card edition. It's Sims and Florio last week, Mike, you were 10 and six straight up pretty good. Not as good as me. I was 12 and four. You're only two games up on me in the season. Straight up, buddy. Two games. I'm coming. Now the season's over. Regular season's over. I win. No, we continue this until the Super Bowl's over. Stop ruining this, okay? This is the way it works. There is no regular season and playoff champion, okay? There's only one champion. Best bets, Mike, you are beating me by three games. Last week, you won the Atlanta-Tampa Bay over the Buffalo-New York Jets under. Way to go. And you didn't hit on Baltimore-Pittsburgh under. I won New Orleans and Tennessee last week. I lost the Green Bay Packers. So we both went two and one last week. You still have that three game lead. How are you? How are you doing? How's your new year of 2020 kicked off so far? Well, my ass still hurts, Whoa. but other than that, I'm doing all right. Good. By the way, you're really bad against the spread. You're really bad against the spread. I know. I could see that. Yes, I'm uh, way behind you in that department. But like I always told you, I don't give a shit about that part. Okay. I Obviously. Wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on most of these games versus the spread. And can we please change the motherfucking pictures of both of us? Please change. My photo My photo's eight years old, and I look like I was eight years old in that photo. You, We have to keep yours, though. I mean, it really is. It's like you're and you're, you're not the evil Roger Goodell. You're Roger Goodell's evil twin. No, oh, it's horrible, you look, first of all. You're like the brother the brother that, that like lives in California that they just send money to. That's who you are. Yeah, and you look like Frankie Valli's backup singer in Jersey Boys, all right? <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> all right. All right, here we go. You ready to talk some ball? Let's do this all right bills at texans like you said the annual 430 saturday texans wild card playoff game kicks off uh texans favored by two and a half over under at 43 and a half okay michael um got some props i want to read to you first here all right just to kick off some discussion just right off the bat with josh allen All right. I know you've been beating the drum a little bit about you think they're going to run them in the playoffs. I think that's a very real valid point that you make. You know, do you think he tops 34 and a half rushing yards for this game against the Houston Texans? Yes, I do. And and I think that they recognize that there's no reason to keep him healthy if there isn't a next week. He is a very potent runner. He ran a lot more as a rookie. He was a lot more effective as a rookie. And uh, part of it is you got to keep the guy safe. But when it's time to win or go home, you use everything you can. And I think his running ability will make him more dangerous as a passer and vice versa. And now's the time to go for it. there, There is no next week. And I do think we'll see more of Josh Allen running the football. So I go over. 34 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I think that's safe too. I hear you. All right. So what? Uh, now let's just talk about the rest of the matchup. Bills, Texans. What are you thinking? What are you feeling here? Well, you know, we talked about this earlier today on PFT Live, and this is one of those games where I've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and I could make a very strong case for the Bills to win. You could argue the Bills are the better team. You could argue that the Bills would have won the division easily if they were assigned to the AFC South, but I am giving extra weight to playoff experience. We saw it last year with the Texans where Deshaun Watson had no playoff experience against an Andrew Luck Colts team in what ultimately was Luck's final victory in the NFL. Luck has the playoff experience, and it showed. And this time around, Watson knows what to be ready for. Josh Allen simply does not. He's never played in a playoff game before. And I feel like Allen has yet to truly believe that he's good. 
that, that I feel like he holds himself back at times because he's yet to slide into, and tell me if this is crazy, you got to have that swagger, that confidence that borders on delusion, that you're the man, that you're the guy, that you are going to go out there and you're going to will that team to victory and get on my back and let's go. I feel like he's still kind of doe-eyed when he gets into those big spots, and that's one of the reasons why they don't have a signature win. And I don't know that that's going to change on Saturday. I think that's more of a long-term off-season project to get Josh Allen to realize he's the man because he is, but he's the last one to realize it. Your thoughts on that effort to psychoanalyze Josh Allen? Well, no, I think you're, I think you're right about that. I do. No, I think part of that, that you know, answer to that question a little bit also has to do with. You know, he might be a little bit more uh, have that swag you're talking about if he felt like there was another weapon on his offense that could really help him that way, right? Uh, so I think that also, you know, goes into what you're talking about, that doughy-eyed look or deer in the headlights at times because I think a lot of the times he has to kind of make it happen himself with such great throws or extending plays and making an unbelievable throw in the run. So there's tremendous pressure on him and just his physical ability there uh, to this point still, just because, you know, yeah, they got something going there in Buffalo yet, but I think we would both agree there's no game breakers on that offense. I mean, he is kind of the game breaker. There's no guy yet, and I think that's why I really think the Bills are a team to say, I say watch out for next year because hopefully they can get that type of guy on the offensive side of the ball that a team has to double or worry about. So I think it's a very real point. You know, I think that's like a, a it's a good jumping off point just in general right hey, there. Think about this. Yeah. Let me let me let right. me say this. Yeah. I, and and there's an alternate reality out there where Antonio Brown didn't veto a trade from the Steelers to the Bills. Remember that was the first team that was linked to him. Now, right. there's no reason to think it wasn't going to go off the rails for Brown the way it did, but that's the kind of guy they need. They need somebody who becomes the focal point of the offense, ideally the passing game, who opens up everything else for the John Browns and the Cole Beasley's of the world. And we'll see. It's not like those guys are out there. It's not like they're readily available, although Odo Beckham Jr. could be, but that's the kind of presence they need in that offense to get the most out of Josh Allen. Yeah, I agreed. And, you know, I think the other thing I look at with the Buffalo Bills, you know, yes, Josh Allen, great talent, all of that. We know the weakness of the Texans defense. It's been their secondary a little bit. But to like what you're saying, okay, yeah, it's a weakness, but is it a great enough strength for the Buffalo Bills to really take advantage of it? Am I just going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, Cole Beasley is just going to burn Vernon Hargraves and Jonathan Joseph all over the field? No, I don't feel that strongly about that mismatch. I don't. You know, and then the Buffalo Bills, I know they can run the football. I get that. And, you know, if you look at things and the Texans defense, listen, statistically it's not good in the run game or the pass game. It's not. But – you know, when, when and, and you can't look at last week versus the Texans against the Tennessee Titans, too, where Derrick Henry ran for 200 yards. Well, the Texans didn't play a lot of defensive guys on their front seven. So don't expect anything like that. When the Texans played the Tennessee Titans a few weeks before that and beat the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, they did a pretty good job on Derrick Henry. I mean, it was like 20-something, 21, 22 rushes for like 90 yards. That's a, that's a good day. That's a victory if they can do that type of thing to the Buffalo Bills. And I do think they have the size up front to kind of hone in on that, especially when there's no guy in the pass game to really scare to you, scare you with, I think, on top, you know, something that we talked about on the show this morning, Romeo Cornell. He's going to have knowledge of these concepts and things that the Buffalo Bills do. Brian Dayball's a New England guy. Romeo Cornell's Houston Texans defense looked a lot different when it played the New England Patriots in that regular season game. He was keyed, on, keyed in on some of the things they like to do schematically. So I look at that and go, even though Houston's defense is reeling, I don't think it matchups or, you know, the matchup is as, you know, lopsided as you might think there. Uh, so that's one thing that interests me. Now, the other big question, Mike, right, is like, we know the Buffalo defense is the real deal. They're, they're great, and McDermott's great. Do we think the Houston Texans can move the ball on the Buffalo Bills defense? What do you think? 
Well, I think Will Fuller is going to be the key there. And yeah. he was limited in practice yesterday with that groin injury that was supposed to be a two- or a three-week thing. If he can play and stay on the field, because just because he lines up and is in uniform when the game starts doesn't mean he'll be right. there when the game ends. Right. But when you have DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills putting pressure on that secondary, and even if Tredavious White takes away or minimizes DeAndre Hopkins, you, you, you still have other guys that have to be dealt with. And we saw that against the Patriots, how they weren't able to go man up on those guys because uh, they're too good across the board. You got to play them zone and it gives them more opportunities to get open and make things happen. So I, I, I think that, that Fuller really will be a key ingredient and uh, we'll see whether or not he's available to play come Saturday. Yeah, it, we will. I mean, and then, I mean, Kenny Stills is banged up too, right? So that's another little issue and twist in this as well. And you know, I you as know, is Laramie Tunsil, their left tackle. He's he's been limited all week with an ankle injury. Right, which you know, again, I'm 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 picking this game right or wrong. I don't care. You know, I'm I'm going to pick the game thinking these guys are going to play. And I know maybe they're not going to be a hundred percent, but I'm I'm picking it as of right now, Thursday, January second at ten thirty a.m. I'm going with these guys are going to play and be in the lineup. We'll see how effective they are, but I'm just trying to not to give myself some excuse or whatever else. And in the saying of that, you know, you know, I love McDermott, uh, right? He's phenomenal. I guess what I worry about a little, okay, the Buffalo defense. There's been some teams that have been able to run the ball on Buffalo this year. If there's a, like a little area on their t- on their defensive side of the ball that I worry about. It is lack of size, lack of big people. I mean, we saw the Patriots run on them two weeks ago. You know, we saw the Ravens, of course, run on them. You know, I you go back to the Philadelphia Eagles and that in that win up in Buffalo, they ran the ball. The Cleveland Browns ran the ball. The Houston Texans can run the ball. They are they are theirs is not the same O line that we've seen in previous years. They're a little bit more of a formidable force here with Carlos Hyde. So if they can have that balance, and then Mike, my big thing too is, you know, the Texans. I mean, the 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 the, the Bills don't play man to man. They're going to play zone. They can't match up man to man with this team. So if they play man to man, it'll be just spare, sparingly, sparingly, whatever the fuck that word is. It'll be <laughs> very rare because I think they know they can't match up across the board there when you play zone. I always worry about that a little bit with Deshaun Watson if you don't have a great, great pass rush because I do think he can buy time. And then you buy time, you manipulate zones and holes become bigger and things like that. So that's where I worried about it a little bit for Buffalo's defense against Deshaun Watson and company there. So uh, it's really a fascinating matchup. I'm, I'm really very excited for this game. I mean, they're two super – one's a superstar quarterback. The other one has a chance. And uh, who are you going to take? What's your score going to be? Well, let me ask you this first. Yeah. Do you think that the Bills will put Tredavious White, Andre, Andre, DeAndre Hopkins, wherever he goes? Will they be forced into zone? I guess it all depends on whether or not Will Fuller plays, I and you're so. assuming he's going to play. I am. I'm going to assume he plays right now. Yeah, I am. And I think that, you know, like I said, I don't think Buffalo really wants to play man-to-man other than just a handful of times a game. And I don't think Tredavious White is a great matchup for DeAndre Hopkins just because, you know, Hopkins is a big dude. He can he wins when you get up in his face and play physical against him. Not only is he a great route runner, because he had success against Stefan Gilmore and was open more in that game than he even uh, got the ball. But when you play physical with him, I mean, you better watch out because he'll throw you to the ground, and then all of a sudden it's like he's not being covered by anybody. So I think they will dabble in a whole lot of zone with just a man-to-man play here and there. But they're just not a team that's built to go man. And then you got a Levi Wallace who hurt his ankle last week, right, the start- other starting corner for Buffalo, which I think kind of handicaps them in the man-to-man department even more. Um, so do you want to make the pick first, or do you want to make me make, make out me? I'm happy to make the pick. And, uh, you know, I have doubted the Texans at times this year because they are woefully inconsistent. But this is a game where they know what's at stake. They have more playoff experience, especially at quarterback, than a year ago. And I really, I really took to heart the comments that we played on PFT Live from Deshaun Watson about how different it was in the playoffs for him last year and how much he learned from that experience when they lost at home to the Colts. And, and uh, I, I, even though... I feel like the Bills are a dangerous team and the Bills could win. I, I This is a, a narrow, 
Houston Texans victory, 20-17 to 17 is the score that I select. It may be even lower scoring than that. It may be 17-14 or 13-10 or 16-13, but I'll go 20 points to the winner, maybe with a late uh, field goal for the Texans to win the game by three and advance to the next round where – if the Patriots beat the Titans, the Texans go to Baltimore and get shredded by the Ravens. But uh, what the hell, at least they got to the divisional round, something we may not have expected the Texans to do heading into the season. Yeah, that's right. I, I just, I, I mean, I just can't believe it. I just, I really, I just can't believe it. I, I'm taking the Texans. Can't believe what? I can't believe you're taking the Texans. I just thought for sure you were going to take the Bills. You're annoying. I don't like you. Um, I'm taking the Texans too. I'm going, I'm going 23-20. I'm expecting one more field goal for each team than you are. I mean, that's really what I have. But I, I see the game playing out that way. And, you know, I, I just think without that lack of uh, another game breaker or a singular game breaker with Buffalo on that offense, I just don't know if there's enough there to take advantages of some of the weaknesses we've talked about with that Texans defense. And plus with the knowledge of the scheme in general with Romeo Cornell between Brian Dayball, I think that favors the Houston Texans as well. And then I think the last thing is like what you said. You know, listen, the best player on the field is, is number four in blue, Deshaun Watson. And I think he understands the magnitude of this and he'll understand the like the 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 grandiosity of this game a lot more this time than last time. So I'm with you. Okay, we're going Texans. I very, can't... very well done that you got grand grandiosity on the first try. I'm pulling well words done. all out of my ass today. I mean, they just feel right coming out of my mouth, but they're really coming out of my ass, and I don't know, somehow they're landing in the right spot. Well, yep. no, no, because whatever it was you said earlier, it took two or three tries to get it right. I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> yeah. But I, you eventually got there. Yes, I can't remember now either because I've said a number of idiotic things. Okay, here we go. You ready for the next showdown? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Tennessee. Are you ready? I, I'm pulling up schedules, so I'm not quite ready. Uh, but Tennessee Titans at the New Wait, England. you got to check and see what the next game is? No, no. I just pull up. I like to pull up both teams' full season schedules before I start talking about them just because I have points and notes here that I want to make sure I hit and I just games look good. But it's the Titans at the Patriots, the Terminators, as Mike Florio has called the Patriots all week, they'll be back. The The Patriots are favored by five and a half. The over under at 44 and a half. Uh, I, I'm, I'm truly like so psyched for this game. I think this is going to be awesome. Uh, there's a lot of great storylines. I mean, starting off with, of course, it's New England playing in the wild card. Geez, Brady, you know. Could this be his last game in New England? You know, that talk can start. I don't think so. Any of that. Mike Vrabel, Tannehill coming into town. They've been on fire. Mike, lead us off. What do you think goes down here? Well, I I, uh, I fear the Terminator, as we always should, because the Terminator isn't dead until it is truly and completely and decisively dead. And I think the Patriots want us to believe it's over. I think they thrive in these settings of single elimination. I am nervous about that belief, though, because I, I am convinced that Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, is, is well aware of how to go about getting inside the mind of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and confusing and confounding, and we've seen that with some of the former Belichick assistants who, like Brian Flores this past weekend, it was essentially a playoff game for the Patriots. Win and you avoid the wild card round altogether. Yeah. And they found a way to lose the game. But the moment, the magnitude, the fact that Tom Brady knows that each of these games is quite possibly the last game he'll play in New England or ever, depending upon what he decides to do next year. It's just one of those where they're begging us to pick against them and if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong because I believed in the Terminator and I believe that the Patriots aren't dead until, you know, you do the thing here where you check the pulse and you really make sure you put a, you put a mirror over the mouth. Uh, and even then, even then. There's a chance the body's going to pop up out of the casket. I think you got to shove it straight into the into the what is that thing furnace and cremate it. And even then, there's a chance the ashes come back together. This is all very morbid, very. but I'm not. I can't and I won't. We, they get the point. I can't and I won't pick against the New England Patriots. And I kind of hope they do lose, so I don't go through this again next week 
when they would be playing the Chiefs and I'll be saying the same damn thing. But I can't pick against the Patriots. I cannot do it. It's a trap, and I'm not stepping into it. All right, so what's your score then? Just get it out of the way. Tell me the damn score then. Well, I am. I'm going, I'm going a little mixed bag here. I'm doing the Chris Sims needle thread, although it's not a tiny little needle, but it's not like a 13 point. It's five and a half points. I think it's 23-20 Patriots. Late field goal by who's there? Who's even their kicker now? Steve Mickemeyer. I think it's Nick Folks still, right? He's yes. been gone. He's back. Yes. I think it's going to be a late field goal to win the game for the New England Patriots. They advance past the Titans. The Titans give them everything they can handle, but these are the Patriots. And I think Bill Belichick always holds back a few tricks or come up, comes up with a few new ones. I think the Patriots advance to the next round and they win the game at home against the Tennessee Titans. All right. Well, this is um, there's so many things to unpack here. I guess you know the first thing we go to the Patriots offense versus the Tennessee Titans defense. Titans defense, you know their biggest issue hands down is been stopping the pass game all year long. You know they just they play a little too aggressive at times. Sometimes they just have mix ups in general that aren't good. But that's really been the overall you know overarching issue. Well, okay, you know, New England, you know, who who do they have that's really going to, we're going to sit here and just go, oh my gosh, they're going to torch this Titan secondary that's, you know, towards the bottom of football and passing. You know, who's Tom Brady? Well, yes, they got Tom Brady. I get that. But even the great Tom Brady needs some help. And yes, they got Julian Edelman. I understand that. But then you talked about like Vrabel knowing the tricks and the things that New England does. See, this is to me where, you know, the ex-coaches get a little bit of a one leg up on most normal coaches against Bill Belichick because they understand formation situations when they want to feed Edelman the ball in a certain formation or when they want to call a screen down and distance wise. You know, New England always had these like what they would call G-bot plays, get back on track, right? If they had like a, a first down sack and now it's second down and 18, they had a list of G-bot plays, which were get back on track so they can get into third and seven or third and six or third and five. You know, those are the little things I've just the nuances. Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel will be all over. Let alone, you know, listen, I, I, I think Nkeel Harry is coming along, but like who else is going to take advantage of the Titans and their pass defense? And really the New England Patriots want to run the football. The Titans have big people and the Titans, as, as even, even with the Patriots O-line, it's been better lately. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if I can just sit here and go, oh, they're going to dominate the Titans in the run game. I certainly don't think that. So I think that's interesting. You know, and then the flip side, it, the flip side, you know, Tannehill, A.J. Brown, I think we both agree it's the hottest combo in the sport. You know, we've also seen that if you have an offensive line that's big and overpowering, the Tennessee Titans got that with the running back, that puts New England in a bind. You know, you look at their losses, and that's kind of some of the things, other than the Dolphins game last week, that's one of the things that was an issue for them. Uh, you know, Houston was patient with the run. And it led to favorable passing thing, passing situations. You know, even the Kansas City Chiefs, they didn't just air it out every play. Uh, but I, I just look at that and go, ooh, that's going to be tough for, for the New England defense. I really think for New England to win this football game, one thing they got to do, uh, and you heard me say this already, it can't be Stephon Gilmore against A.J. Brown. It just can't be. Because there's nothing that's going to scare the Tennessee Titans away from that matchup. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to sit there and watch the game last week and go, well, Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker did this. Well, we should be scared of Stephon Gilmore and not do that. Tannehill's going to go, hey, I'm better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the coach is going to go, yes, you are, marketably. And A.J. Brown's going to go, I'm every bit as good as Devontae Parker, if not better. And the coach is going to go, yes, you are. So to me, that will be something New England has to do. You have to almost show the double pre-snap on certain plays, I think. So Tannehill just knows, like, oh, I can't feed him because I don't think that anything's going to scare him away from A.J. Brown. I mean, if I'm New England, I'm going somebody else – on the Tennessee wide receiving core beat me other than A.J. Brown. And I'll be interested to see what they do there. I think that really will be a key for me. But I, I think the Titans are, are the better team. I, that's where I just come down to this. The New England mystique is scary. All the things you said are scary. But when I go through it position for position again, 
the only position group I give New England the advantage in is secondary, right? Am I missing one? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be like Johnny Know-it-all, but that's the only clear-cut position I can look at and go, New England's right there. They're better. Okay, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you're okay, saying. No, I know. But I just, it's the playoffs. If this is a regular season game, fine. You take the Titans and uh, you you shoot your shot, and they have a good chance of winning, and off we go. Yeah. But but but, but you know what the narrative is with the Titans when they are the better team? What do they tend to do? They lose. Yeah. They lose when they're the better team. Right. So I I just I cannot and will not. I refuse to. I would rather be wrong a hundred out of a hundred times taking the Patriots than than being wrong once taking than being right once taking I don't I don't want to do it I can't do it All I right. don't want to be wrong picking against the Patriots I hear That's you my point. I, I don't want to be wrong there. picking somebody just because of mystique and like other stuff and that's why I'm I'd going... rather be wrong for that okay. I'd rather be wrong by 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 giving the appropriate credence to what we have seen happen right. time and time and time again. Yep. I have learned from my mistakes, and I'm not going to get caught up in this, well, this matchup is better than that, and this team's better than that, and this guy's better than this guy. It doesn't matter when you're in a single elim- elimination setting. Right. I'll take Tom Brady over Ryan Tannehill any day of the week. I don't care that Ryan Tannehill was 117.5 in passer rating this year. We haven't seen him ever in a playoff game, and Tom Brady has probably started more playoff games in his career than Ryan Tannehill has started regular season games in the past four years combined. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably close. I get you. I get you, but I'm just not going to fall into the trap. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans to win this game, 24-21. And the Tennessee There's Titans, two different traps. Yeah. We are fearing two yeah, different I'm, traps. You're, you're, you're fearing two decades of stuff. I'm just going with what I've seen over the last month, and I've seen New England play average football. You know, it was a must-win game last week, Brady versus What about against the Bills? Okay, it was good. I mean, I'm not ready to crown the Bills the champs, all right? The Tennessee Titans, though, you're saying, too, is they play down to their competition or don't beat the teams they should be. That's not true with Ryan Tannehill. Their losses are on a crazy game against the Houston Texans, and they were it was there to be had if a receiver doesn't fumble against the New Orleans Saints. It's a different team this time around. So I'm going with the, the Tennessee Titans, 24-21. It's hard to do, but I'm doing it. Well... I'm glad. I'm Good. glad you are. Yes, I am. Because we will we will on Monday morning, uh, and I think I will be with you on Monday morning. You will hear it from me. Yep, don't repeatedly. you worry. You'll hear it from me as well. I'm Pete Dimalitalitis. You gotta turn up the volume. I can't hear anything you're hearing saying right now. I can't hear you. You just uh, sound like you're muffling stuff into my ears. Okay. I think Yep. Uh, so, and to, to your point, Tannehill, 50 starts over the last four seasons, Brady, 40 career playoff starts. So it's close. Nonetheless, your point was very well taken. We and get Tannehill, it. zero career playoff starts. Yeah. Zero. Um, all right. So uh, what else? Do you anything else you want to talk about here? How did you feel? How did you feel in your first playoff game? Oh, what was I, it like? Yeah, no, it, I was, I was nervous. I really was. And you know, to what we've heard people talk about and like to what you were talking about a few minutes ago with Deshaun Watson, there, there, there's a different sense in the building all week and it carries over to the second you walk in the stadium on playoff game day. You know, I played in that like 430 Saturday wildcard game against the Washington Redskins in the 2005 season. There was a different buzz in the crowd, in the parking lot, driving up. I mean, people were ready. It was crazy. The players were ready. The coaches I know had stayed up like all night, every day that week. You know, you're just, it just, it's got an amazing atmosphere and feel. I just, it still puts chills on the back of my neck when I think about running out into the crowd in that game. It was uh, probably one of my marquee moments of my whole football career, really was to be able to play in that playoff game and, and walk out in Tampa Bay. And we had a bunch of pirate flags they gave to the, the people in the stands that day and all that. It was really cool. Uh, but you certainly knew it was a different game than week 17 or week 16 in the regular season. What were your stats that day? You know what? Um, I threw two interceptions. Neither one was really my fault. They both got tipped in the air. At all, the right, line all right, Bruce Arians. I had a really good game, and I, you know, John Gruden, Paul Hackett, they would tell you it was really one of the best games I ever played. 
Uh, we just got a little unlucky in that game. If you remember, that was the Sean Taylor picked up the fumble at like the 50-yard line and returned it for a touchdown. M one of our first drives of the game, Mike, okay? First of all, the Calvin Johnson rule happened in my game before Calvin Johnson. That was Adele Shepard when we went to tie the game. We also had this that was crazy in that, Mike. We... The first drive of the game, I threw an interception. It got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Ball went in the air. LeVar Arrington intercepted it, right? And he fumbled uh, down at, like, the two-yard line because we were on the one-yard line, I think, when I threw the ball. He fumbled on the two-yard line, but it wasn't reviewable then because he was called down by contact already. And it was a clear picture that he fumbled before he was down, and we had recovered it. So we got a little unlucky, and that, uh, that one still hurts. All right. 25 for 38, 198 passing yards, no touchdowns, two picks, passer rating of 56-7, three rushing attempts, 11 yards, and a touchdown. Here's what's amazing, though. Yeah. You were by far the better quarterback that day because Mark Brunel threw 15 passes. 15 passes. Yeah. How the hell did they win the game? Completed seven for 41 yards. I know. And one interception, a rating of 25.7. He threw 15 passes for 41 yards, and how in the hell did they score 17 points? Because they had the fumble returned by Sean Taylor, and then the interception I just talked about where LeVar Angton fumbled, it was on the two-yard line. So they had a one-play two-yard drive for a touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, that was heartbreaking. And that should be, like, again, listen, you know me. I will tell you when I played like shit. It did, I did not play like shit in that game. That The stats would lie in that game. And I really, I think that was, like, one of my, you know, that was a good defense that year. That Redskins defense for, for the majority of that year was the number one defense in football. Um, so it was, it was no joke. But, all right, enough of that. Do you remember who had the other interception? Oh, Oh, Marcus Washington. Oh, I wouldn't have got that. Okay. Marcus Washington. Yep. It was off a tip pass um, at the line of scrimmage. Really? It was heartbreaker. All right, here we go. You ready to do Sunday football here? Let's do Sunday football. Let's do it. Oh, oh, it's the Vikings. Mike Florio's Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored by seven and a half. The over and under is at 49 and a half. Mike, Lead us off with the great knowledge of your football team, the Minnesota Vikings, and please discuss the game. Yeah, look, I, I am very realistic, and, and, and we have fun with it, and I let you poke fun at me about it. And, you know, obviously we all got into this business because there was a team that we rooted for when we were kids, and I was a huge Vikings fan. Once I got into the business, it really has changed, Chris. Oh, you have no up. idea. You have no idea what, what, I, what I was once like. Trust me. Um, and and I, I'm a realist, if nothing else. And the chances of the Vikings winning this game, in my mind, are incredibly slim. No matter what Paul Allen tries to put on Twitter or texts me to get me to believe the Vikings have a chance here. And look, they have a better chance than they did last Monday night against the Packers because Dalvin Cook is going to play. The Vikings had absolutely no rushing attack. They were one-dimensional. When they're one-dimensional passing attack, they're dead. It isn't a passing attack. It's a, it's a passing uh, nothing. It's, it's, it's miserable. They can't do anything if they don't have Dalvin Cook moving the chains. He'll play. Whether he moves the chains remains to be seen. But even then, I just don't see the Vikings on that day walking into that environment against that team with Sean Payton salty about the way the last two playoffs have gone, pissed off about the end of the Seattle game, the failure to overturn the defensive pass interference non-call and allow Seattle to win the division and give the Saints a bye. They shouldn't even be playing this weekend. Sean Payton knows how to draw up the plays that will pick apart the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense, not as good as it's been in recent years. Yeah. I, I fear that this is going to be the kind of win by the Saints that will cause the Vikings to go back to the drawing board and ask themselves, what are we really doing here? And do we need to make major changes on both sides of the ball and in the front office and coaching staff? I think that's how bad it could be. I'm looking at 27 to 10 Saints over the Vikings. And uh, it could be worse than that by the time it's all said and done. I, and I, I'm realistic about it. I, I, think, I think the Saints will develop a lead early uh, to the point where they won't be worried about the Vikings running game. And uh, I think the Saints just systematically pull away and they qualify for next week and a trip to Lambeau Field, which should be one hell of a game yeah. to end the divisional round weekend. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And um, I mean, I think my sentiments are somewhat the same as you. 
you know, when I just think of Sean Payton and Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas versus the Minnesota Vikings defense, let alone Jared Cook, who we know has come along, Traquan Smith, who's come along as well. Like, the Saints have that magic thing that we talk about, Mike. They have three weapons on offense. And it's just like, okay, yeah, double Michael Thomas or do something crazy to take him away. Then you're going to be screwed in some other area. So that's scary to me. Let alone, you know, the Vikings' lack of depth on the defensive line, I think lack of great size, that worries me. You can, you know, the Vikings, their defense is good. It is good. No, there's no mistaking that. Uh, but it's not great. And I do think that you can run the ball on them a little bit. And, of course, I do think the Saints will be able to run the ball. The Saints not as good this year as running the ball as years past, but it's really come along lately with Alvin Kamara. I think you see the breakout of Taysom Hill and all those type of plays in this type of game where they're going to throw a kitchen sink worth of plays not only just to beat the Vikings, but to make playoff teams who have to defend the Saints start to go, oh, gosh, now there's the full Taysom Hill package. we got to worry about it. So that's going to be an issue. Okay, so I worry about – and then when you start to be able to run the ball in Minnesota, that's scary because Minnesota, you know, as we know, and you said it great today, like Zimmer has a system. It's not exactly every week of this, like, creative different defense. It's, you know, he does what he does for the most part without getting too technical. And I don't think that's a good formula against Sean Payton either. You know, as you know, I mean, Sean Payton's one of the greatest play designers we've ever seen in the history of the sport. He's amazing. And if he knows what defense you're going to be in, that's a little bit – of a, a, a trouble area. So I worry about that. And then, you know, when you go to the other side of the ball, Mike, you know, you, you know, I don't know. I mean, do you think that the Vikings pass offense would they drop back and pass, not the bootleg games. Do you think they can drop back and shred the no. saints? And, no, yeah, I don't no. either. It's got to be. I mean, the only way it works yep. is if the running game is operating at a level that has the defense on its heels. So Kirk cousins can do a quick drop. You can't do a five or a seven step drop. If you're Kirk cousins, Quick drop, quick decision, get rid of the football. That's when he operates at his best. And then you throw in the play action and the bootlegs, and uh, and it all hinges on the ability to run the football. And, and even if they can run the football, Kirk Cousins has to find his way into that zone. He needs to lose the hyper-awareness of the moment. We've seen it time and again. Big moments, big spots, 0-1 all-time in the playoffs. He's lost late regular season games that were essentially playoff games twice against teams that had nothing to play for. Uh, he's 0-9 all-time on Monday nights. He's got a very bad record in other primetime games. Yeah, you, you know, they, they won a couple of primetime games this year, but against Washington and Dallas, who cares? They, they had that Monday night game against the Packers when the division was still up in the air, and they just they, – Cousins, look – this is the kind of game where when it's all said and done, there isn't going to be a next week for Kirk Cousins to change the narrative. If he does not have a decent game on Sunday, I think that, that you have to have the conversation, what the hell do you do with the last year of this guy's contract? And uh, it's back to where we were week four in the aftermath of that debacle against the Bears. What do they do? Do they do a Brock Osweiler hot potato deal where you you give them to somebody else and you give them a draft pick to take the contract off your books? Do you pay part of the money like the like the Texans did to get rid of Jadavian Clowney's contract? I mean, the, the Vikings are really going to have to ask themselves where they go from here. And will Mike Zimmer be back? He's got one year left on his contract. Will Rick Spielman be back? He's been the GM of that team for a long time. And uh, it's just a team that, you know, can, can put – it's like every other year is a decent year – but then you get to the playoffs, and are they really good enough to advance? And we thought they were. Yeah, about a month until ago. Until we saw that. Yeah. Until we saw that Week 16 game against the Packers, and yeah. I think we both kind of came to the conclusion: offensively, defensively, they're just not good enough. No, that's uh, exactly right. It just, it, it's just, uh, there's, there's something missing there that's not putting them into that, you know, top tier football teams in the NFL discussion. You're right. And when it comes to the Vikings' offense, I'm with you. I mean, the only thing you got to worry about, you know, okay, so Dalvin Cook, the run game. Hey, we know it's scary, yes. But, man, this Saints defense, is we've talked about so much for the last eight weeks, I mean, it's just stout as can be. You know, they're, they're phenomenal against the run. I would just be shocked if Minnesota can have their way in the run game. And then what's scary is, like, we talked about the drop-back pass game. I think you're right there, too. And Minnesota's not a good pass-protecting uh, drop-back pass offensive line. And the Saints – 
you know, yeah, I don't care if Marcus Davenport's there or not. They can still get after the quarterback. Uh, the, really, the only thing they have to worry about when it comes to the drop-back pass game, too, is Stephon Diggs. So that's where I just go to New Orleans. They got to do something on third down. I don't think Adam Thielen is uh, totally 100%. He might be feeling really good, but the guy I've watched so far is not the same explosive Adam Thielen early in the year. So, I, you know, I just don't know where the pass offense comes from. And I think in obvious pass situations, the Saints, the big thing is, until proven otherwise, I just wouldn't let Stephon Diggs beat me. Whether that's matching up Marshawn Lattimore versus him or double teaming him or whatever it may be. But Marshawn Lattimore also gives them the latitude to do on first and second down where they could go, okay, hey, Marshawn, you take Stephon Diggs. And now we're going to play some combination zone to where we can worry about the bootleg game and the run game and stop that too. So there's some avenues here for uh, the Saints to get creative against Minnesota's offense too. And I just look at it kind of like you. I just think, listen, the Saints to me uh, are right in the conversation for the best team in football. You know, I, I wouldn't be mad at anybody for saying the Saints, the 49ers, or the Ravens are the best team in football. I think the Saints fall in that in that conversation, and I'm picking the Saints to win this one convincingly. I'm going 31-14, uh, New Orleans at home. We both went with the 17-point margin. Yeah, we take did. Take the 16 and a half. Yep. Give the 16 and a half. I mean, and uh, take the Saints. Yep. So uh, that's that. You got anything more to say about that matchup, or do you want to move uh, move on? I just I don't want to completely slam the door on the possibility of the Vikings stunning the Saints, but to do it, I mean, at a at a minimum, the run game has to be there. Kirk Cousins has to be able to not freak out, and and I feel like there's got to be somebody who just plays out of his mind. It can't just be those two. It's got to be some ridiculous game from Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen is okay or something happens yeah. in special teams. I just feel like. The, the, the dominoes are far more complicated and convoluted for the Vikings. Exactly. And I think one of the key ingredients is going to be somebody just like absolutely waking up and having a game that makes us say, where in the hell was that guy hiding all year long? Yeah, I, I, I exactly right. So, I mean, what, I mean, what we're basically saying is if the game goes status quo without craziness, we expect the Saints to dominate. You know, yeah, if there's a punt return or a pick six or – I don't, somehow, Cal, you know, Dalvin Cook breaks two 40-plus-yard touchdown runs. You're right. It'll be a different game altogether. But I just don't imagine that happening, and I think the Saints win this one easy, and I'll have a fun Sunday afternoon making fun of you and the Minnesota Vikings. All right. You ready for our uh, Sunday Sunday football job? All right. We'll be on the pregame show, Florio and Sims. Here we go. It's uh, Sunday night football, but it's Sunday afternoon football on NBC. It's the the Seattle Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a Week 12 rematch, right? Both teams are in different spots than they were at that time of the year. Seahawks favored by one and a half on the road in Philly, over under at 45 and a half. Mike, go ahead, man. What do you go here? This is a, this is a tough one. I've gone back and forth with this one all week long. I have all week. Remember on Monday we did our initial lean and we both said the Eagles and I've flipped to the Seahawks. I'm back to the Eagles. I go to the Seahawks. I go to the Eagles and I'll probably change my mind four more times between now and Sunday when we make our final picks prior to the kickoff of the game on Football Night in America. Uh, I, I, I look at the Eagles and we talked about this earlier today on PFT Live. Yes, they've won four in a row, but who have yeah, they beaten? Right. They've beaten the three other teams from the worst division in football. Right. And one of them they've beaten twice. And they were down by 14 to the Giants. Something happened at halftime that unleashed the monster that was able to come back and win in overtime. Then beat Washington in a back-and-forth game that was much closer than the final score, the 10-point margin. I think it was 37-27 or something like that would yeah. suggest there was that backdoor cover on the on the final play of the game. Yeah. Uh, and then the Cowboys went like, yeah, you know, we, we talked earlier about the Bills. Well, they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That was a lot bigger deal at the time than it is now. The yeah. Vikings had a Sunday night win in Dallas. That was a lot bigger deal at the time than it is now. Beating the Cowboys week 16, is it really a big deal? So I, I look at the two teams. Who's more prepared for the moment? Who is the better team? And I, you can delve into the matchups more uh, more effectively than I can. I just look at the big picture here, and I say this is a Seahawks team that has plenty of guys with playoff experience, especially yep. at the key spots like quarterback. And and this is a team that 
I could see them get on a roll. I could see them get a little salty. And and you throw in the injuries for the Eagles. And yes, Carson Wentz has been phenomenal the last month of the season. But Zach Ertz's availability yeah. is in question. Miles right. Sanders, one of the fringe candidates for Rookie of the Year, who's done a great job uh, with Jordan Howard out. He's got an ankle injury that may keep him from going on Sunday. Just too many questions about who's actually going to be available offensively. You've got Brandon Brooks, a Pro Bowl guard, out for the year now. Right guard position is vacated. Lane Johnson has an ankle injury. Who knows how healthy he's going to be. And uh, it's just it's got the makings of being a long day for the offense. And then is the defense good enough to take away the things the Seahawks want to do? And you, you nailed it during PFT Live. Just – Dare them to run. Take away the downfield passing game and dare them to run the football, whether it's Travis Homer, Marshawn Lynch, Robert Turbin. Force them to show they can run the ball and, uh, and stymie the passing game and, and just and see what happens. And maybe they won't be able to run the football against that, that front that has gotten better over the course of the year. Remember Fletcher Cox? It kind of took him a while right. to really get up to speed, and now he is. And I think that's what the Eagles need to do. But even with all that said, I, I – I just believe in the Seahawks a little bit more. I got it 27-20 Seattle, and uh, I think they advance, and I think we see them play the 49ers. We get a rematch. I hope we get a rematch of the uh, 49ers Seahawks in the divisional round, and then we get a rematch of 49ers Saints in the championship round. That would be a dream NFC playoff field. Yeah, well, I think there's some very real possibilities there. I, I do. And, you know, th I mean, this is – this is intriguing. You know, first, when you start off with Seattle's offense versus the Philadelphia defense, you know, yeah, Philadelphia, the current state, you know, no Dwayne Brown, the running backs being hurt in Seattle. Uh, I, and Seattle ran the ball on Philadelphia the first time around. They did. And it was Rashad Penny. And it was some, like, cool little game plan design runs, though. It wasn't like... I went and saw, oh, my gosh, they just bashed Philadelphia and crushed them around. He had, like, 120-something yards. Almost all the yards came on, like, three carries. I just – I don't know if that works this time around. So, yes, I would tell Jim Schwartz of the Eagles, like, err on stopping the pass. Have belief in your front seven. Uh, don't put extra people down in the box to stop the run early. Like, a, like you just said, I, I would call the bluff of the – Seattle Seahawks a little and go, you know what? I'm not going to let Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett start off the game by me being over aggressive, stopping the run and them taking one-on-one -on -one deep shots down the field where Russell Wilson's one of the best down the field throwers in the game. Plus if you're Philadelphia, I mean, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby have been torched a lot. So please don't leave them on an Island one-on-one. -on -one. You know, if you want to show you're in a run defense and bail out at the last second and get two safeties deep, save them, do something like that. Now, Jim Schwartz, he is a game plan specific guy. He will change things up from the first time of that matchup. And it was a 17 to 12 game. All right. And the Philadelphia Eagles turned the ball over five times and there are two touchdowns. One was on a flea flicker and then one was on a halfback draw for like 60 yards by Rashad Penny. So there wasn't a lot of offense to go around in this game the first time around. Now you flip it around to Philly's offense, right, Mike? The, when they played in week 12, that was really one of the first weeks that Philadelphia had to play with these bunch of no-names. I don't think they really figured out their formula and how they wanted to play to that point yet. They're definitely more concise and on the same page with their formula now than they were then. Now in that game... Seattle's D-line kind of overwhelmed Philly in pass protection, and Carson Wentz held the ball too long. He fumbled three times. He threw two interceptions. So it was not a good luck for Carson Wentz and company, but I think they're different now. I think they're a better running team right now, and they're better at throwing the football, and Carson Wentz has a hot hand. It's a tough one here. I don't, I, you know, I really go back and forth here, too. The other thing I look at, Mike, is go Seattle plays the Seattle scheme on defense. You know, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are very used to that scheme. Not only have they played Seattle this year, but they played Dallas twice, who runs that as well. And they just played it two weeks ago, and I would go, Dallas has better talent on the defensive side than Seattle. 
because of all those reasons and it being in Philadelphia and cold weather and on the grass, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, buddy. I am. Oh, yeah. It hurt. It hurt. But I just think with the predictability of the Seahawks on the defensive side of the ball and Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz being a little more game plan specific than the Seattle Seahawks coaches, I think they'll find a few new wrinkles and win a real ugly football game. And I'm going to go Eagles 17-14 to 14 at home in this one. Uh, it's a coin flip game. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I feel totally comfortable. It's Russell Wilson, and that scares the hell out of me. But I just think them going across country after a brutal Sunday night game and dealing with that, that doesn't bode well for them either. And that's why I go Philadelphia 17-14, Mike. Yeah, and, you know, Jadavian Clowney is going to be the wild card in all of this. I, I don't know what we're going to see from him. I don't know how healthy he's ultimately going to be. Right. Uh, he's got that sports hernia. He hasn't been nearly as dominant as he was on that Monday night back in November against the 49ers. But, you know, this is it. This is the time to lay it all out there. And if you're ever going to find a way to get it together, now's the time to do it. And you got Dwayne Brown, who's got the, uh, the knee injury. Maybe he's able to come back. I don't know. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, now that he's got a little time under his belt, you know, if you dare the Seahawks to run the ball, maybe he'll be able to do it. Travis Homer's a wild card in all this. He yeah, averaged he over six yards per carry on only 10 carries last week. And then I, I got to go with that Russell Wilson playoff factor. I, whether it's, yeah, I know. And, and, you know, I have, I have selected in all four games, the quarterback with more playoff experience. I've selected Deshaun Watson over Josh Allen. Tom Brady over Ryan Tannehill, Drew Brees over Kirk Cousins, and now Russell Wilson over Carson Wentz. And I really do think that, that it's a factor in the postseason. And, you know, we've seen low seeds climb the ladder, but the difference between the Vikings at six and the Seahawks at five is quarterback. And I think the key ingredient to a wild card doing well in the postseason is a quarterback who can play at a high level and who doesn't freak out under the bright lights. And I don't think Russell Wilson's going to freak out. No, I, I don't either. I don't think he'll freak out either. But I don't think Carson Wentz is going to freak out right now either. And that's where, you know, the Eagles are not a team to freak out, as you've been saying for the last five weeks either. That's where it's interesting. It's almost like a... It's two teams who really play very similar football. It's like, we want to play ugly. The game's going to be close, and we think we'll just be a little more clutch at the end of the game, right? That's really how both teams play. And uh, that's where it's fascinating to me. And I'm just going to go with the team at home. And I just think the matchup and the fact that they lost the first time around I think is going to benefit more Philadelphia than Seattle. I think Philadelphia will make adjustments and Seattle's going to look at it and go, oh, well, we did these things pretty well the first time. Let's just stick with it. And I think Doug Peterson and Schwartz are just too smart for that. And that's why I'm going to give them an ugly, ugly win uh, beating Seattle at home. All right, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it, home slice. Here we go. You want to go the first? You want to go first or you want me to go first? Well, we should set this up since it becomes a standalone video that we're doing the best bets, right? Oh. Is that what we're doing? The, is it best bets hey, time? Hey, now it's time for best bets, and we're only doing well two done. best bets uh, this week because that, there's only four that, games. Let me just say, yes. that was marketably better Thank you very than how much. we did it before. Thank you, Coach Mike Florio. But two best bets of the week, okay? I'm a, I am three games behind you in best bets. I'm going to win this, this, this category before this playoffs and Super Bowl are over. Just telling you. I'm going to win it. All right? So go ahead. Tell me your best bet. How are you going to do weekend. it? We're doing two this week. We're doing two next week. I presume we'll only do one for conference championship round. And will we do any for the Super Bowl? Well, of course we will. So you're going to have like five chances to catch me. Great. And you're going to screw up two of them today. And it's going to be down to a one-point lead. It's, it's no problem. This is like, this is, I got you right where I want you. This is like, okay. I'm like the well, New England Patriots. This is the regular start of the regular season for me now. The Bills and the under are an automatic. It's a given. <laughs> Whatever the number is that Vegas sets for the over-under, it's too high. And every time I've gone Bills game under, I think, as a best bet, I've prevailed. So why stop now? Bills-Texans under 43.5 points. I've got 20-17, to 17, and even that, I think, is a little charitable. 37 is what I see being scored, and it may not be that much. I like the under in the Houston Texans Memorial early Saturday 
wild card game. Wow, very poetically said there. Um, okay, I get you. I understand your logic there because I picked 23-20 Texans, so that would be the under by half a point there too. But you know what? I'm just going to go with one that I feel strong about. I'm taking the Saints to cover the seven and a half points. I am. You know, there's a reason it is seven and a half, and I just think they're clearly the better team. They're pissed off. They're playing good football right now. They're at home. I don't think them being screwed over by the refs in the 49ers Seahawks game, I just think only adds fuel to their fire of like us against the world, let alone I think they're better coached uh, than the Minnesota Vikings, and there's some matchups there as well. So, yes, I am taking the Saints to cover the 7.5-point spread. I have the Saints winning 31-14. to 14. Go ahead. You're going to tell me your I am best tempted, bet number two. I am tempted – to, to take a page from the Chris Sims Memorial uh, Best Bets the betting guide. Now, the, the, the idea that, you know, you have a habit of picking one team to win, but picking the other team to cover as a best bet. Right. And I'm tempted to do it with the Titans getting five and a half because I, I think you. five and a half is too much, right. even though I think the Patriots will win the game by three. But I'm not going to do it. I don't think I'd be comfortable uh, – you know, that weird kind of feeling, hey, I want the Patriots to win, but not by more than five and a half points. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I'm going with the Seahawks, giving one and a half. I am, as you would say. I'm going with them. I am. One and a half points. Give the one and a half points to the Philadelphia Eagles. Take the Seahawks to win the game. They'll win by at least three. I've got them winning by seven. And uh, Seattle, Russell Wilson, come through for me, Russell Wilson. I have faith in you when no one else does, especially Chris Sims. Get it done. Let's go. Seahawks win and cover the one-and-a-half-point spread. All right. Well, I'm going that game with you as well, but I'm going with the under. I'm going back to the under. I don't think there's any way these teams get to 45.5 points. There's just no freaking way. Uh, I just, I mean, that's me. I I just think this is going to be low scoring defensive struggle. Uh, I think it'll be very similar to the first time they played in week 12. You know, I have the Eagles winning 17 to 14 and just would be shocked if it's a 27, 24, 24, 21 type of game. I would be. I would be. I don't think it's going to be that much. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of defense, hard hitting, physical football game. And I don't know if either offense is all that explosive. And I think Russell Wilson on that grass, you know, and then Jim Schwartz, his ability to game plan will slow down his ability to buy time and extend plays and do that. He had issues with that the first time around. Plus, you know, I don't think Seattle's pass offense is overly creative. And I think that bodes well for Jim Schwartz and Philadelphia too. So I just can't imagine there being a ton of points. And I know Philadelphia can't score a ton of points on anybody. And Seattle's defense, even though it's not good, I don't think Philadelphia could take advantage of its not goodness, especially in the secondary. So that's why I'm going under 17-14 Eagles win. And that is that for the best bets. Woo, baby. I'm surprised you're doing it, though, because even though they scored 26 total points the first time they played. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the, the, the Eagles have been in some higher scoring games of late. Yes. I'm just not going to count the giants as a defense or anything like that. I know I'm just not going to go there yet. All right. So here's the best bets. Florio. He's got Buffalo bills, Houston Texans. He's taking the under at 43 and a half. And then he's taking Seattle at Philadelphia to cover the one and a half point spread. I'm taking New Orleans, who's favored by seven and a half. I think they're going to blow Minnesota out. And then Seattle at Philadelphia. I am going with the under at 45 and a half. I just don't think it'll happen. We'll see. I hope you lose both. I hope I win both. I think this is shaping up to be a great week. We have two disagreements, right? Straight up. I got the Titans winning. You got the Patriots winning. I'm taking the Eagles. You're taking the Seahawks. You know an eagle beats a Seahawk in a fight every time, right? You know that, right? I mean, and a Titan. I don't know. Beats I've never Patriot. seen an eagle in a Seahawk fight. And a Titan beats a Patriot too. A Titan. I don't know what a Titan is, but he sounds a lot bigger than just some guy with a musket. So I just yeah. Like a titan, a titan is like a really large, like a, it's their mythical figure. The Titans. They were the the you know like something with Greek mythology or something right, like that. Yes. And just but, so you but know, let me tell you. The Terminator always kills the Titan in the end. Just the so Titan you know. The Titan turns his back on the Terminator that he thinks is dead, and the Terminator kills him. When a bird team, this is next level shit right here, okay? Pay attention. When a bird team 
plays a bird team in the playoffs, the home bird team is 10 and 0. Okay. Okay. And you don't mess with American bald Eagle in Philadelphia in January. Okay. You don't do it. Haven't you seen the cracked bell? Haven't you seen the $1 bill? You just don't do it. You're un-American for doing that. I can't believe it. I don't know what I'm What's talking What's the $1 bill have to do I don't do know. Isn't there an Eagle on there? There's an Eagle somewhere. There's an Eagle on There's every There's an Eagle bill. on everything. All right, great. That's why you don't do it. How dare you? Okay. That's it. That's enough of my stupidity on this podcast. Florio hates America. I love it. I love bald eagles. He doesn't. This sounds like it's a great weekend for me. All right. I love you, Florio. You better love you better love bald eagles. I don't know. I've been watching that hairline the past couple of years. You're going to be one soon <laughs> I'm enough. I'm going to be one. <laughs> All right. Peace out, dude. I'll see you Later. Sunday. Safe travels. Everybody have a great weekend. PFT PM, Chris Sims, unbuttoned joint collaboration. Please rate, review, send us your comments. We're out of here. Peace. Everybody enjoy the football and wildcard weekend. Later. See ya.